know that some in our audience know the finer points of hockey. The Chris Johnston Show. We are your friends. The biggest stories, bringing you inside the game. What did you hear? The Chris Johnston Show. Powered by Sports Interaction. Wanna bet? What is going on? Here's Chris with your host, Julian McKenzie. Part of the game. Stanley Cup playoffs. We finally reached them. Uh, eight different series to go through, and we will go through them today uh, for the first round. Uh, but just before we get started, because uh, we know, uh, Siege, you're going to be on Tampa versus Toronto. Um, what are your plans for for your coverage? Like, take us through your game plan. Take us through what the vibe is like right now. Like, let it all out right now. How how you feeling? Well, I'm feeling great. And I would say the vibes in Toronto are immaculate right now because immaculate. nothing's happened. Well, nothing's happened yet. I mean, there's nothing to overreact to or get wound up about. The The weather turned great this weekend. So it feels like spring. You know, the Blue Jays just finished off a pretty good homestand. You know, life's life's pretty good in the city. And, and, you know, you're right. I'll be on the ground for all the games in the Leafs Lightning Series, producing content for North Star Bets every day. We're going to do a bunch of different things. Obviously, you know, stories about, you know, what's going on in the series and the games. We got a, I'm going to do a live Q and a actually with people on Tuesday. Uh, so keep an eye out for that. If you're interested, um, you know, do some video content as well. So, you know, a little bit of everything, but it's going to be, it's going to be fun. I mean, it's pretty crazy when I look at it, Julian, I've, I've covered every Leafs playoff game back to their last series win in 2004. You know, I wasn't, I wasn't, uh, working at least not, I wasn't established like I am now professionally back then, but that 2013 series and then everything that's happened the last six years. And so, you know, in some ways you cover these series like for what they are, but there's always with a team like the Leafs, the way I imagine it was, if you were covering the Red Sox in 04 or the Cubs, like the, you're almost covering all of, you're adding another little chapter to a long history. Right. And so it's, it's pretty good. I was at both practices Saturday and Sunday that Toronto had, and, you know, it starts to feel real, right? The players are getting different kind of questions and, you know, facing Tampa. I mean, they're, they're, everyone sort of knows what to expect to a certain degree because, you know, these two teams faced last year. And so that, that adds a different element as well that the three-time cup finalist, two-time champion, one-time runner-up are, uh, are coming to town for Tuesday night. What do you remember from 2004 and covering that playoff series? Were you with, were you still with CP at that point? Like, you say you weren't established then, but like take us through a young CJ 19 years ago covering <laughs> the last Leafs playoff series. What what was up? Well, sorry, I kind of jumbled my words there. I wasn't covering that series. Okay. Uh, at least at least not home and away. I, I did my actual my first time ever going to the, the NHL as a reporter was the 2002 series Toronto played with Ottawa in game five. Uh, that was a second round series. And I was so nervous as a summer student, the Canadian press. Like I remember like getting the tap from Neil Davidson, my, my former boss there. And like that whole day leading up to the game or, or what have you, like I was like, went and bought like new batteries for my recorder. Like I just was like, I really didn't want to mess that up. And uh, you know, that was the night that Daniel Alfredson hit Darcy Tucker from behind for fans of a certain vintage and scored the winning goal to put Ottawa up three, two heading home, you know, it looked pretty dire for the Leafs in that moment I did a sidebar actually on the fact that it might've been Curtis Joseph's last game in Toronto because he was a pending unrestricted free agent at the time, very popular goaltender for the team. Uh, but the Leafs did wind up coming back and winning game six and seven and extending it. But you know, what I mean, I guess is that I've, I've been along for the journey, so to speak, or, or had a pretty good seat for the journey going all the way back to the 2013 series with Boston, um, which ended in memorable fashion in game seven. And then all six of these playoff series uh, since then, and so I've, I guess I've seen the struggle, if you want to call it, from from great seats um, to to finally break through and win a playoff series again. Um, you know, the last time they did that was 04, the longest drought in the entire league right now. And so it, it does feel like, you know, every time they get back there, that's that's part of the story. Is this the year they're going to knock the door down? I think that you can't avoid that. Right. I mean, at, at a certain point. Obviously, you know, like they traded for Ryan O'Reilly two months ago. It's not Ryan O'Reilly's fault that this organization hasn't done anything for 20 years. It's not even really the fault of a lot of the guys, but but it's still part of the discussion that they face and they're answering questions about it every day. And you can imagine those will only ramp up as they go through. And especially if they get a chance to go into a game where they can eliminate the lightning, which they did have last year in game six and couldn't get the job done. And then obviously in game seven again, too. 
hold some of that fire for when we go through every series, including uh, Tampa Bay and Toronto, which we're basically going to spend the bulk of the episode going through the first round series, and then we'll we'll get to your questions for Ask CJ. Uh, nice. Of course, we will have sports interaction. Uh, got some uh, conference odds for you. There is one question I want to ask you. I asked this to producer Nick, and uh, he just he seemed a little seemed a little on edge with this one. So I'm going to ask you this because I think you can provide an unbiased an unbiased take on this. Would Leafs fans feel better or worse if their team somehow went up three nothing on the Tampa Bay Lightning in the first round? What do you mean better? I mean that feels like a trick question. It is. It's how could you question? not? Okay. How could you not feel good about having four chances to eliminate a team? Because the Leafs know all about having four chances to beat a team and not taking advantage of those four chances. I guess. I mean, I, I don't, three I or guess four, whatever. I suppose what you're getting at here is that fans are conditioned to always expect the worst, even when something good is happening. And this um, is true. And I'm not doing it to troll. Like this is what the DNA of a Leafs fan has been for the last 20 years. That's what it is. Right. Well, I would have to think everybody on the Leafs side of that ledger that, that isn't sitting, you know, paying to sit in the, the building or, or watching on television at home. Everybody with the Leafs would love a three, nothing series lead and four chances to eliminate the champs. I'd um, like to think so too. I mean, look, it's the playoffs. Nothing ever goes your, your way. Like the whole time, no matter what team you are, even, even Colorado, which had a pretty smooth run, all things considered to winning the cup. You know, they weren't, they, they didn't face like these dire moments so much. And they they won some shorter series on their way, but it's still like they lose Darcy Kemper to an injury, and you know they had a chance to to secure it on home ice in the Cup final and lost, and had to go back to Tampa. You know, and you start to get some gremlins in your brain wondering if you know, like all those types of things are going to happen. I mean, that that's the if you want to sum up why we love the playoffs, it's because all kinds of crazy shit happens, and it's because it's never going your way the entire time. Like you have to face doubt and, and you have to find your way through. And so you're right. I guess that the fans of every single team, anyone who's invested in their team, they're going to like what they love and what they hate about this time of year is they're going to go through some things. And, and one fan base is going to be lucky enough. I mean, eight are going to be lucky enough to at least celebrate a series win, which I do think in most cities that matters still. I mean, obviously there's a couple where it's kind of a cup or bust year this year. But you know, like I'm, if you're a Devils fan, right, and you've and you've watched what your team's been through and this build up, and now you got this exciting young team. Like, if you win one series, obviously you want to see your team win the cup. But I think winning one series matters to to a fan base like New Jersey. I think it matters, obviously, in Toronto, and we can go right down the line. The Minnesota Wild have had a, a really good team for a lot of years. They haven't, you know, won in a number of years in the first round. I, I think that that there's going to be eight fan bases that get that excitement, and then one that gets the ultimate joy. That's going to be a two month roller coaster ride where your stomach's in your throat for half the time because I mean that's what being a fan is is caring right and and this is this is such a cool time of year so yeah I don't have a message for Leafs fans in particular but I would say if if you're pondering that question don't overthink it you want your team up three nothing uh because the the margins for screwing that up are pretty low and, and even historically I know it's happened it happened a couple times relatively recently but it it's you know, your, your, your chances of winning that series historically are like 98%. And I would take Seriously. those odds. Uh, pressure uh, is known to make diamonds. So that's my response to that. Uh, also, I'm amped up. Let's get to these previews as quick as we can. First, let's get to You Can Bet That. You Can Bet That with David Bastel. Brought to you by Sports Interaction. Get in the action and make a play. 19 plus. Please play responsibly. Time for another edition of You Can Bet That, people. Uh, remember to hit up sportsinteraction.com slash SDPN for all of your gaming needs. Uh, we've gone through Stanley Cup playoff odds, or at least Stanley Cup finalists, or who could win. I thought it would be cool to look at uh, who could come out of each conference. Uh, in the east, uh, the Boston Bruins, of course, favored at plus 195. Toronto with the second best odds uh, at plus 528 and Carolina third at plus 561 and in the west in order from uh, favorite to third favorite uh, Colorado Edmonton and then Vegas uh, what do you think of those odds Siege they're kind of interesting I mean I, I guess you you put the Leafs there because if the Leafs are in that position then obviously they push Boston aside and you think that that's that's going to be the toughest challenger for anyone on the eastern half of the bracket that is true. Um, 
You know what I mean? I mean, that's that's a big question. Obviously, the Bruins carry the big favorite title and with good reason on 65 wins at 135 points. Like, I'm not sure if I've wrapped my mind around how crazy that season was, how much has to go right. Um, you know, the real fact that I think the Bruins players are rallying around the idea that this is potentially the last year for Bergeron and Krejci. I think there really is a last dance vibe. And so they're like leaving nothing to chance. So, I mean, they, they, they clearly deserve their, their odds. I mean, in the, the West to me, I I'd put Edmonton above Colorado. Uh, I, I really Ooh, think that, you know, anyone who's been listening to the last few episodes, like I just think if you look at the last half of season, it's hard to make a case that anyone's been truly better than Edmonton. You're 16, two and one since the trade deadline. I have all the respect in the world for the avalanche, but the given that they're walking into this playoffs with so many injury questions and, you know, not having the same team as last year missing, you know, had to lose some key players as part of the cap crunch. You know, it's, it, I, I actually give my edge to, to the Oilers. So, I mean, as always take my, take my ideas with a grain of salt on this stuff. But to me, it's, it's, it's setting up towards a Boston Edmonton final. And, and uh, so there's probably some value there that the Oilers aren't listed as the, as the favorite. Very interesting. We, we are how many minutes into the podcast that we already have a Stanley cup final prediction. I know you said it on the SDP, but uh, it's important that we document this here on uh, the Chris Johnston show and on uh, you can bet that. Uh, so don't forget to check out sportsinteraction.com slash SDPN for all the best odds before game in game, best props sportsinteraction.com slash SDPN. So it seems like there's always something new and exciting going on at the SDPN. Have you seen our brand new website? SDPN.ca has got a new look and tons of great new content. We've got the SDP CJ show. That's us. Uh, Noxie and Cax, the objective basketball podcast, nailing the apex Agent Provocateur, Game Over, the list goes on and on. And you can catch up on all of our latest shows at the brand new sdpn.ca. Plus, we've got news and special features from across the world of sports. It's an awesome website. Add it to your bookmarks. Call your friends. Tell your family, including your grandma. She would really appreciate it. One more time for the people in the back, sdpn.ca. CJ, let's begin with the look at uh, the eighth series for the first round of the 2023 Stanley Cup playoffs. I just get dun, chills dun, just dun, saying dun, that. Dun, 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 dun. We need like dramatic music. Yes, we do. I don't know if there's a way we could layer that in post. I'm not sure. It doesn't matter. I'm excited all the same. Um, I'll I'm just be this soundtrack. Through... Yeah, exactly. Uh, I wanted to start off with some series that we're going to start off on the Monday. And then uh, obviously another set are going to go on the Tuesday. Uh, let's start with an Eastern Conference series. Uh, that'll be very interesting to follow. Uh, the Florida Panthers. Once upon a time, they were labeled soft. They're in the playoffs versus the Boston Bruins, uh, who, as you as you mentioned in our previous segment, there is a last dance vibe to them. Panthers, Bruins. What are you thinking? You know, the Panthers would scare me a little bit if I'm Boston, like just a tiny bit because of how they got into the playoffs, right? Like they really charged in in those last few weeks. They rallied behind their third string goaltender, Alex Lyon. You know, sometimes in sports, teams get on kind of a run that maybe isn't easily explained. Um, they, they just get a certain vibe or confidence and, and start riffing. And, and you know, I, I do think in this series, Florida really has nothing to lose. Um, you know, as, as good as that team is and, and they have some difference makers. I mean, they, they, they seem like the kind of team that could be a disruptor, right? But as I look through it, as I see news, for example, of, of Alexander Barkov missing a a practice before the playoffs, you know, Sam Bennett, not likely to play in the series, you know, and with respect to Alex Lyon with, with how his track record is, you know, I, it's just hard for me to really build a case as much as I might like to, to, to get some clicks or some headlines that, that I think the Panthers are going to win this series. And so I actually will spoil the surprise because we have seven more of these to do. I think this will be the most lopsided series in the first round. I think the Bruins take it in five games and you know relatively easily i mean there's no real easy playoff win i mean it's not like you you don't see anyone really have a sweep with like four or five nothing wins like usually even along the way you got to grind out a one nothing game or two one or three two or that kind of thing Um, but i just think boston's so strong i I don't think they're going to take their eyes off the prize or get ahead of themselves in any way um i even like the way they handled the end of the season they did give some of their top players lots of rest especially the older guys like Krejci. And so, uh, you know, I think they'll be ready for the task. And, you know, kudos to the Panthers for rallying to get in the playoffs. But I, I think they're going to have a hard time sticking around for too long. 
Okay, all right. So you heard it here first, people. The Bruins should make easy work of the Florida Panthers, even though uh, they might have an MVP candidate in Matthew Kachuk and a goalie in Alex Lyon, who I'm not sure how many teams have really read the book on, considering uh, how, what he did to get into the playoffs. But, uh, yeah, the Bruins just might be too good. They might be just be too good. It's funny when we're recording this, by the way, like just as a quick interlude, because I just yeah. know I'm going to say something that it will be easily clipped and I'm going to look like a moron in two weeks or less. Like whatever it is, maybe it's not that series, but I just gave the Panthers no hope in that series. I tried to like paint yeah. a little positive and then like watch it go to seven and or them to win or something. And then anyway, I'm uh, we're, we're, we're arming the people with easy fuel to come back at us and point out our foibles. Imagine someone from the Panthers organization listens to this podcast and said, oh, first Keith Kachuk, now this. It's just, like, just any, any way to add fuel to the fire. Well, the, the flip side is it's not really a hot take to say that a 65-win team might take a team that actually finished with fewer points than one or two that missed in the Western Conference to the woodshed. No, it's not a hot take at all. Okay, let's go to uh, the New York Islanders and the Carolina Hurricanes. What are you feeling on this one? It's going to be tough to stay up for all seven games that will be played in this series because I don't know that there's going to be a whole lot of scoring. Um, but, and I'm just being tongue-in-cheek, but I will say this. What's interesting for me is that I, you know, Carolina is kind of an intriguing team for me entering these playoffs, and I think they have to sort of face their ghosts of playoff past, like right out of the gate here, right? Because what is, has really eluded them to having a longer postseason run these last few seasons is, is the goal scoring has really dried up. And so that's going to be a question. And they're going against Ilya Sorokin, who when anyone plays them tends to have trouble scoring goals uh, across the NHL. And, and you really have two good defensively minded teams in this series. So I think that it's just going to be a grinding, difficult series. It, you know, I think it's important to stay patient, especially for the players, you know, on, on the hurricane side that are expected to put the puck in the net. Uh, I still have I have Carolina winning this series, um, but I, I I think it's gonna go, you know, six games type of thing, like you know maybe even seven. I, I think that I, I see it as being a long series for Carolina. I just don't know what the case is that I can build in my mind for the Islanders to win it. I I think Carolina still the underlying numbers are strong there. I think the experience level is important, um, and I don't I don't see any real holes in the hurricanes lineup, but they don't have game breakers, right? Or they don't have the difference makers. And of course they, they're robbed the potential of one with Andrei Svechnikov suffering the injury he did earlier this season. So I think Carolina gets through, but I think it's going to be difficult and plotting and excruciating at times. And maybe we have like a four overtime game in this series or something. Um, but, but I, I do think the hurricanes are going to find their way to, to the second round. Chris Radamus with the four overtime call. Maybe. I want to throw a. F I, I figured since I might get radioed on a few things, I want to throw a few random predictions out there that we can also <laughs> we can also clip those and be like CJ knew. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I would love that. Also, if it's gonna be a four overtime game, uh, let Gord Miller call it. I want Gord Miller to call. I don't actually. Do we know which play by play guys are calling which series at this point? I haven't checked. Surely they I they're in their respective cities, but I haven't checked. I don't know who's calling which series. Okay. Well, uh, and, I mean, and, we're, and we also have the U.S. broadcasters and the Canadian-based ones, too. Right. We can we can assume. I mean, I don't think it's that big of an assumption to say that Chris Cuthbert and, and Craig Simpson will have Toronto-Tampa. Like, you, you're yeah, one I heard, guy. Yeah. I heard that John Garrett, who's retiring from the Canucks regional broadcast after the season, uh, and John Shorthouse are calling one of the, the series for Sportsnet. I think they're calling Boston, Florida. Oh, that's fun. That's cool. So we get so we get more uh, more of those two. A salute to yeah. John Garrett, by the way. Yeah, exactly. And and then, but I don't know. I, I would assume Hunter Ryan Singh is calling probably the Edmonton series. I would assume for Sportsnet, but I haven't seen that confirmed. And obviously, they'll also be doing the Winnipeg Vegas series. But I, I don't know who has that call and down in the U.S. You know what's what's the biggest series? It's I guess it's Rangers Devils probably for the main play. Like I don't guess for the states really. Yeah, but anyway. <laughs> This this is us just guessing wildly at staffing decisions of companies that we have no insight into. At the same time, like just for me as a nerd, I'm totally into that as someone who's just like a big play-by-play -play nerd. I think our friend Avery you know, Lewis McDougal said that uh, it's going to be John Butchergrass and Kevin Weeks in Edmonton because he's excited about seeing Kevin Weeks in Edmonton. 
Cool. Yeah. I mean, the one thing with the flames missing is I just hate that we're not going to have Rick ball on a call. Cause I, I think for me, he's one of my like low key favorite play by play guys in the league. Just has a really great call. Really nice guy. Uh, whether he's working with Greg Millen or Kelly Rudy, he always seems like he's having fun in the booth. Uh, as as someone still getting used to how things go in Calgary, uh, getting to know Rick Ball, uh, he had a bit of a health scare partway through the year too, and and you know it was a little worrisome at, at that point. But he's been able to rebound from that and, and able to finish the season. So uh, always has my respect. So shout out to Rick Ball uh, doing his thing. But uh, yeah, I don't know if he's. On part of any uh, playoff coverage, but uh, yeah, I heard sorry not. For the little break Sadly, there. the Flames didn't get him in there for us. Yeah, sorry for the little break in the the playoff coverage. We'll get back to the other series, but uh, <laughs> you know, we're nerds. We have to we have to talk about this stuff. Um, Minnesota versus Dallas. This series, just on paper, looks like it could be the closest of all eight of these series. We're talking about teams that are relatively close in terms of. Uh, I think goals uh, goals allowed per game. Like I think Dallas is just like 0.05 better than the Minnesota Wild. Uh, but of course, in terms of their defensive scoring, I mean Miro Heiskanen's having himself a really good year. But like Jason Robertson versus Kirill Kaprizov, uh, uh, Wyatt Johnston versus Matt Boldy. Uh, Minnesota are they going to start Philip Gustafson? Are they going to start Mark Andre Fleury to start the se- start the series? Like so many questions, so many different uh, storylines to follow in that series. I'm very intrigued. Uh, about this series but also your thoughts yeah it's sort of like to me it's almost the west version of islanders hurricanes i think that Mm -hmm. you know two really defensively strong teams i mean each team has a dynamic forward too with jason robertson and kirill kaprizov uh, which you know can add an element to to what's going to happen you know i I would like minnesota's odds better in this series if they had joel erickson eck unfortunately their their top center is is down injured and and it doesn't sound like he's going to play in this round. And I, th- I think that because the teams are so close, as you highlight a loss, as significant as that one can tilt the odds in a meaningful way, even though this is of course a team game, I just don't know where, how Minnesota fills those minutes down the middle as capably. Well, I mean, the truth is they, they just can't, I mean, there's certain, there's certain players on any given team that you really can't replace. You're just trying to survive without them. Uh, I still think it'll be a, you know, wouldn't surprise me if we went seven games. Honestly, I, I do think it's close and, and it's going to go back and forth, but, I've got Dallas coming through in this series. Unfortunately for wild fans extending, you know, they're, they're a pretty lengthy run here without seeing a playoff victory. Um, you know, it's just, I mean, health is part of this too, right? Like that's, this is, this is where the playoffs can be frustrating, aggravating as you play a whole season uh, and even, or maybe you win around and then you lose your best player. Like it's just, it's hard to continue on and keep, keep grinding through the spring. I mean, that's, that's part of this is attrition, right? As much as, Maybe not the first round generally. I mean, that's that's a little bit – this is as good as I think players are going to feel. Like what we see on Monday and Tuesday night, the reason those games are like you're on a candy high or something, like you have sugar high, is because like the players for the most part are as healthy as about they can be at this stage. They're excited, of course. The energy in the building's real. It is spring. And, and then it slowly just becomes – you know, like a, a marathon battle and it's, it's just who can, can drag it through. So anyway, I've gone on a, a long tangent here, but that's, that's my way of saying, I, I think it's going to be tough for Minnesota down Erickson Eck. Um, you know, I guess for them, you're trying to rally around if we can win around, you know, I don't know exactly his health status, but you're trying to, you're trying to play long enough to give him a chance to get back in the lineup at some point. I think they're going to have trouble getting through Dallas. So I, I think the stars win this in seven games. Let's go to Los Angeles versus Edmonton. Uh, you seem pretty high on the Edmonton Oilers, Siege. Yeah, it would be kind of crazy if I picked LA to win the series, given that I've already, you know, submitted Edmonton as my cup final winner. Um, but I'll, I'll explain maybe some of the dynamics I see here. These two teams played last year, and it was seven games, right? And, and LA was up 3-2 in the series. So, you know, very much could have won last year's series. And, and I think that Kings have gotten better in a meaningful way. They didn't have access to Drew Doughty in that series because he was injured. They hadn't yet acquired Kevin Fiala. Uh, they hadn't acquired Gavrikov and Corpusalo as they did it at the trade deadline. You know, they're a year older with some, some younger important players on their team. You know, I, I, I do think that the Kings are a better version of themselves. I just think the Oilers have gone to a different stratosphere um, and, and, you know, are a much, much better version of where they were a year ago, even a much better version of what we saw for most of the first half of the season. And, and you know, 
I don't think we can overstate how dominant Edmonton was in the second half of the year, you know, finishing 16, two and one after the trade deadline, you know, really cutting back on the goals against and some of their underlying numbers improved, you know, they just, it looked like it looks from afar, like everything fell into place there. And so, you know, I still don't think this is an easy series for them. If there's one team that's kind of built to match up against them, I think LA is pretty favorable there, you know, having, two centers like Philip Deneau and, and Anze Kopitar, for example. I mean, I, I don't know. There's there's not too much anyone can do with McDavid and Dreisaitl, if you know what I mean. Like, it's it's not like anyone shuts them down, quote unquote. But I do think you like your odds in a series where at least you can, can build two pretty uh, strong defensive lines uh, and guys that can log big minutes against top players and have done, have a pretty proven, proven track record of that. So you know, I think the Kings do match up reasonably well with Edmonton here. Um, but I, I would be stunned, stunned if the Edmonton Oilers were out in round one. I, I, I think that they're posed for, you know, poised here for a really long run through the, the postseason, and, and I think they get the job done in six games. Anze Kopitar will obviously have his hands full. Don't sleep on the work that Philip Deneau can do in the playoffs as well. He's a proven performer in the playoffs, especially from a defensive standpoint. If Kopitar's going to get McDavid, I assume Deneau will probably have to deal with Leon Dreisaitl or however the those lines will kind of work out too. But also just the way the Oilers are stacked. I mean, McDavid, Dreisaitl, uh, Nugent Hopkins, who's off a career year. If Vander Kane is going to be able to provide offensively as well. If Stuart Skinner's going to, if Stuart Skinner's likely going to be the guy as well, he's had himself a good year too. Like that Oilers team, they look good. They look good. And I like the Matias at home acquisition as well. Like they look like a team that could go far this year, but the LA Kings have been among the league's best since like February. And they know, I a know thing or but two they, about kind of they look good. Stumbled. They stumbled they a little bit the last the couple of weeks of the season. Like I just, it just feels like, and they have some health questions. I mean, I, I know that's a common refrain, but I, I just think that they're not quite on their top form either. And Edmonton looks like, like, I, I don't know who would want to face Edmonton at this point, honestly, like with the way the Oilers, the way everything came together for them in the last few months of the year. I mean, they, they, they have, they must have the, the kind of confidence you can rarely get as a team, as a group of athletes. And, and, you know, that, that, that's important too. That is true. Okay. So let's get to uh, the next set of series. The Colorado Avalanche and the Seattle Kraken. Uh, Producer Drew, now's your time to tune in on whether or not uh, the reigning Stanley Cup champions uh, will fare greatly against the upstart Seattle Kraken. So what's Bracken with the Kraken and uh, the Avalanche? Well, Seattle is going to be a pain in the ass. Like Seattle is not going to make this easy. I, I think that the way they play and the depth they have through their lineup, that, that this is going to be a hard series for the Avalanche. However, I, I don't know that the Kraken have enough to to pull through and pull off what would be a pretty significant upset and win it. You know, we'd maybe be billing this as like the Philip Grubauer revenge series, except that Philip Grubauer had two sub 900 save percentage seasons since leaving Colorado to sign in Seattle on a long-term big ticket deal. I mean, if there's one huge glaring weakness that I, I just can't look past with Seattle is they got among the league's worst goaltending this year, which, you know, give them full marks. They still finished with a hundred points. So the fact that they, you know, had such struggles in net, and still overcame it and, and won at that clip and managed to qualify for their first postseason. And again, I think their full value as a, a group of skaters, I, I really think this is going to be a tougher series than it looks like on paper for the Avs. But I, I, I just I can't see the Kraken taking it all the way to, to a big upset and knocking the defending champs off. So I'll take Colorado in six to hedge my bets. I thought about five pretty hard because I do think that they just that that, that difference in net isn't insignificant. You know what I mean? Like it, it's it's not a a small thing. And Gorgiev actually had a maybe under the radar awesome year for the Avs this year. Um, but I, I'm comfortable with him. And, and I think that that team, despite a million injury questions for them, whether it's, you know, McCarr and Darren Helm, and we know now Gabe Landeskog's not going to play all playoffs. It seems like they've got a long injury list longer than you'd want to start the playoffs. They still played damn well down the stretch to the Avalanche. And so I, I, I think that they're, I don't, I don't see their, their run ending in round one uh, at the chance at a repeat. Okay. All right. So by the way, just for those who are trying to keep score, uh, Boston, Carolina, Dallas, Edmonton, and Colorado are CJ's picks through five predictions so far. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. Okay. Let's get to. It might be 0 and 5. Who knows? Could be 3 and 2. Could be 4 and 1. 2 and 3. 
if you're over five, I don't, I don't like you being over five at that point. That would, that I don't like that. <laughs> that would mean a fair amount of chaos has hit the league. Holy, holy crap! A serious. Imagine Florida, the Islanders, Minnesota, L.A., Seattle, like a, a fair bit of chaos. And I don't know from a TV standpoint uh, if people would want to see those teams uh, there in the second round. But that might be another discussion for another day. I don't know. Hmm. Yeah, I hate that TV thought. It's it's that real. Too. It's real. But I'm like, look, if you have 32 teams in your league and 32 fan bases, like it's cool when any fan base makes it to the cup final or gets a chance to see its team play there. Like you can't have New York versus you said that. L.A. in every final, like whatever, you, whatever sport like it doesn't work that way. I'm glad you said that because there's still something fun to a team that no one expects to, to, to go far, even if it's not the sexy TV darling to do well. Like, like if we're, if, if, if the leagues care so much about having the biggest names and biggest markets there every single year, like, like they really care about to the point where they need them there. Then you do like what they tried to do with the super league in soccer. where you just put the best teams in the best quote unquote, best teams in the league and just have them duke it out. But that's not fun. It's not exciting. Right, and part of sports is a story. Like there could be a cool story, right? Maybe Florida goes to the cup final this year. What a story that would be. It would be amazing. Right? Like Alex Lyon, like out of nowhere. I mean, that we've seen these stories. Like St. Louis was a story in 2019. They were in last place in the league on January 3rd. They they were using their fifth string goaltender, Jordan Bennington. Like, you know, like that's a story. And And so, yeah, maybe it didn't deliver the sexiest matchup possible, but it was pretty interesting if you love the sport. And so, you know, I'm not cheering for teams as I've said long in this, but I, I'm also not cheering. Like I kind of, I'll let the, the TV bosses like sit in the ivory tower. Like I, I'm down there on the, I'm in the rink, man. I, I'm down with the people. Like I, I just want to see cool things happen and interesting things happen and not only interesting things happen in the big metropolises of the league. TV bosses sitting in their offices, looking down, like, oh, ha, ha. how much money can I make from the playoffs? <laughs> like, what would be the dullest final or something that they could have? Like, like that wouldn't pop anywhere other than the local markets. Um, I was thinking uh, like Carolina, maybe on the eastern side. Like, there's not a lot of like I find the Hurricanes fascinating, but there's there's not a lot of national appeal. And then maybe. I mean, I don't know why I always have this one in my head, but Carolina, Dallas or something would be like a nondescript final, except everywhere but Finland. Remember we talked about this? There's like, <laughs> it'd be like 28 Finns in that series. But but other than that, um, anyway, I don't know. Where, New where, Jersey. Where yeah. You know what? Let's let's probably let's probably let's save that before some fans get upset because a lot of well, great teams here and a lot of great markets, too, as well. Well, we're having that discussion after saying I hate this thought process is the point. Exactly, is I think right. You could make an interesting case for like why every final could be interesting. But I get that they don't have broader appeal necessarily to those who don't generally watch the sport. And that's what you're hoping for. You're hoping to draw in fans who like it's like the Masters, right? Like lots of people probably don't watch golf, but they'll watch Masters Sunday because that that it has a deeper resonance than just the fact that it's a golf tournament. And even then, like some people will still pay attention to bigger names like Phil Mickelson had himself a good finish at the masters this year. Like that's a person worth paying attention to Brooks Kepka uh, found himself in the running. Like that's a name that got like even more casual people seem to know. Like there's still that element to that too. Again, this is turning into a whole other discussion. I'm, I realize I, I'm adding that, adding to that. So I'll just go to Vegas, Winnipeg, uh, the golden Knights and the Winnipeg jets. Uh, they will do battle in round one of the Stanley cup playoffs. There's something about this matchup though, for me where I'm like, Hmm, I don't know if I'm that sold on the Vegas Golden Knights. I was going to say, take a, take a breath. I smell an upset. Oof, I smell you do an too, upset uh, in the air. You do too, huh? Hmm. And, and so I don't know. Maybe it's not an upset if we're both of the same mind here. Hmm. But I, I, I just, there's something about this one that feels, you know, it, you know, I don't want to hate because Vegas won the Pacific division, right? They did. And they did it with playing almost half a season without their captain, Mark Stone, who's got a, a significant back issue. They did it without having one 30-goal scorer on the roster. They did it while playing five different goalies uh, throughout the year, and, and you know four of whom they played to a fair degree, like that, that at various points were regular players they used. And they just don't have me sold, right? And, and the, the counter, I think, is that we have the Jekyll and Hyde Jets. Like, like what version of this team are we going to see? 
they had some big games in the last month uh, where they looked great and poured a bunch of goals in. They had a real stretch where they couldn't put the puck in the net and look terrible against some of the league's worst teams. Like it's, it's a weird series, but I'll say that, that I, I don't know what version the jets are going to be, but I'm reasonably confident that Connor Hellbuck will play well enough on his own to win a game or two, uh, steal a game or two. And I think that's, that's significant enough in a series like this. I'll say this one also goes seven. I'm, I'm predicting, I think four, seven game series. Uh, but I, I think, I think Winnipeg wins the last game and, um, you know, what a story, it'd be quite a story that would line up, I guess, where they play the winner of Edmonton, LA. So they, we could have a Jets Oilers. We could have a Jets Oilers second round. If my predictions Let's are correct, go. if my predictions are correct, it's Jets Oilers in round two. Boston, Carolina, Dallas, Edmonton, Colorado, and Winnipeg through six series. These are the teams CJ has selected to advance out of the first round. I like this. This is good. I mean, we're doing our best here. We always do on the crystal. I've got the, got the crystal orb here, you know? Don't hit the mic too hard. Or tell me who wins Devils Rangers. I need to know. Julian's going to ask so soon. By the way, with respect to Tampa Bay, Toronto, I understand uh, the listeners and the viewers and and the, how they want to know about that particular series. And I understand, Siege, you're going to be all over that series too. With respect to that series, I think Devils Rangers is going to be the coolest one of all of them. Like like New Jersey versus the Rangers. Whatever rivalry they still, I mean, I mean, the Devils were upstart. No one expected them to be any good. And now they find themselves as like the team of the future. The Rangers, they get Patrick Kane, the Blue Shirts, all of that. I am all about this matchup in the first round of the series. Again, with respect to Tampa, Toronto, uh, the Kings and the, and the Oilers as well. Devils, Rangers, that's a series I want to be all over in the first round. Do you know who's got the best job in sports in the first round is New York based hockey writers. Yes. Who can just like hang out at home and go to the Islanders games on the off nights and then go to the Rangers Devils games for each game of that series. I actually heard Mark Lazarus in the Athletic, your colleague, is headed to New York to do just that. That what he a is. Cool, what a cool assignment that is. Like that's, you know, I'm I'm not upset with my assignment, but like if I could think of something else, like that would be would be pretty awesome. The only downside is you probably don't get any off nights in New York because you you got a game to go to every day. But it's still pretty neat to be able to do that. Uh, I'm with you. I, I love the idea of this series. I think it's a difficult one to, to handicap how it's going to go. I mean, even on top of things like look what the teams did at the deadline, right? One gets Patrick Kane and Tarasenko. The other makes a 13 piece deal to get Timo Meyer. Um, you know, whoever loses this is going to really be feeling it, you know, especially if it's the Rangers, right? They went to the last year's Eastern conference final. They load up at the deadline. There's, there's big expectations there as I think, there rightly should be. And they're, you know, they're a little older and further into their journey as a team. And so if they were to be defeated, that, that would really sting. But I think, you know, the devils too, I mean, part of you can say, Oh yeah, we'll be back next year, but next year doesn't always come in pro sports. Things don't always go what you you expect. So I think they got to make, take advantage of what they have. You know, for me, the real thing that I think could make the difference here. And I, and I'm, I'll just come out and say it. I'm taking the devils in seven. And the reason I'm doing that, is as I think that their speed in this series could be a significant factor and that, you know, as much as sometimes we talk about youth or inexperience, you know, having guys like Nico Heischer who's played a handful of playoff games. And this is the first time go around for Jack Hughes and you got Dawson Mercer and you got, you know, players that, that need to contribute and play well for the devils to win in advance, uh, not having a ton of experience there. I, I just think how quickly New Jersey transitions the puck, the way they attack on offense, I think is going to be a problem. And while Igor Shosturkin has certainly played much better in March and April than we saw earlier in the season, I'm a little less sure that, that he's going to be the, the, the player he was last year when he won the Vesna trophy. And, you know, ultimately we have to pick one winner. I, I, I don't have anything really bad to say about the Rangers in this case. I look at their lineup and I don't see one hole, man. Like I don't see like one position where I'm like, I don't know if that guy should be in. Like they, they've built a really deep team, but I, I think, you know, if we look at this season, to me, the Devils were the better of those two teams. And I think that they have a significant advantage when it comes to speed. And I think speed is proven to be a very uh, effective way of winning games, especially when the stakes are so high. And one mistake, one turnover 
if you if you're facing a team that has the kind of speed and finishing ability, the Devils can be a, a kiss of death. Is that is their speed that much overwhelmingly better than the Rangers though? I mean, the kid line uh, has some quickness. I mean, Panarin and, and Zabinajad are they're not slow afoot necessarily too. Plus the fact that they have Igor Shosturkin in net, like I like him better than Vitek Vanacek. No disrespect to him, but like there's something about this Rangers team that like. I don't know if they're the team that's going to come out of the Eastern Conference, but like I like them to win another series. And I'm aware on another podcast, I said the Devils could be that team that goes a lot farther than some people could expect. But that Rangers team, the way that they're built, like I I, I expect them to, to get a win over the Devils. But also I expect that series to go the distance as well. Okay, wait a minute. The talent. So let's let's be clear here. Are you picking the Rangers then? I'm picking the Rangers. Well, we're having a friendly bet on this series then. I've got the let's Devils. You've got the Rangers. We've got the viewers and listeners as as holding us to account. And I think yes. the stake should be the loser has to eat a hot dog during a future <laughs> podcast. It does not have to have poutine on it. But the is loser... that is that is that a loss for you though? If you lose, I don't think either of us really want to eat a hot dog during an episode. Like it's not like the best look. Look could be a mess. I'm sure the yeah. sound on the mic that's would be why, pretty that's bad why too. Set, this is what I, I think that I think you have to eat a hot dog on a future episode of the CJ show. If the devils win and then conversely, I would have to pay my penance should the Rangers come through. <laughs> okay. Well, Hmm. Okay. How about this? Come on. You're, you're, Here, you're stuck. No, no, no. Here's the thing. Let's up the ante a little bit. If I lose, I will make myself a Putin hot dog and I will eat it on camera. A homemade one? Yeah. Like I'll I'll find the curds, I'll I'll get some fries, I'll get the gravy, like I'll find a way to make that work. If you uh if you lose, um hmm. I mean, yes, what's it's okay for you to eat a hot dog. Okay. But, um, you set the terms then. What do, what do you want me to eat, or what do you want me to do? Try to think. Is it sufficient for you to eat a steamy, or would I want? Would I be okay with you eating a regular hot dog? But you have to admit that uh, all of my food choices are better than yours. I guess if you really wanted to punish me, you could you could make me make it in that crappy way you like it with that topping. I would never put on it normally. You mean you just have a Montreal steamy? So like I only said relish. No, I thought for you people said that you were like relish or something. No, I said I uh, like relish, and even then, I, I didn't add the full context to this. But like relish and like chopped onions and 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 mustard, like an all dress hot dog, like a Montreal steamy. Like I don't just put like relish on it. But now that you mention it, maybe that's what you should do. You should just lather I've, it in relish. I've honestly, in my entire life, never had relish on a hot dog. I think I think that's what we're gonna have to do. If if the Devils lose, you have to eat a hot dog lathered in relish, nothing but relish. Oh God, that's gross. Okay, I'll do it. <laughs> I want okay, I mean that, I want real steaks here. And nothing yeah, simply no, like I, I want real steaks here too. Like, hey, you buy me dinner or something. No, I want like I want the audience to share in this and to be able yes. to live this through us. So you, you <laughs> yeah. you're you're eating a poutine hot dog and I'm eating a relish covered relish covered hot dog. Lizzie or to whatever. To be you clear, call it. I don't just eat relish covered hot dogs. It's part of a larger larger recipe but in this particular instance relish hot dogs <laughs> probably doesn't seem all, all right. that appetizing and shake. okay and shake. shake done okay all right. Uh, all right we've gone through seven of eight uh i guess we have to get down to tampa bay versus toronto and that playoff series uh which we did touch off on on the top but uh yes where do you see this one going mark we could have also done me. a bet to this one too because i know where you're gonna go and i know where i'm going to this could have easily been a bet as well Mark me down for Leafs and six. Ooh, you're avoiding game seven. Well, I'm not Ooh. avoiding anything. I think that the lightning are going. I think the lightning are going to have trouble extending it to game seven, uh, with the way they played the second half of the year. So, you know, I'm of the mind, of course. The what's happened for years on years on years in Toronto. You, it the key players on the team are all the same, so it's in their heads a little bit. Like there's there's no denying that, right? Yeah. Well, you remember that Leafs all or nothing series. And at the time, Paul McLean was working for the coaching staff. He's like, they got fucking demons under their car and in their heads and in their beds and all this stuff. Uh, you know, so I think there is an element of that, but I also just look at the two teams and think that the Leafs are, are the better constructed team. They're the healthier team with Tanner, Janot 
out on the lightning side of things and they, they just had a much better season. They've been playing better. And, you know, as much as the past counts for something, I don't think it, it's going to impact this series to a great enough degree that Tampa finds a way to, to win it. If this was uh, Carolina, if this was any other Eastern Conference team that has not had the success that the Tampa Bay Lightning have had, I would be 100% in agreement with you. Until they prove me wrong, I do not feel comfortable going going against the Tampa Bay Lightning. Until they prove me wrong. And again, they lost the cup final against Colorado, but they went up against a really good Colorado team that can do everything right when everyone is healthy. But the Tampa Bay Lightning, I know they did not have a good stretch uh, of play, but uh, the, the Leafs have lost to teams that have not had full entire seasons uh, where everything went great either in the first round of the playoffs. And look, I have no problem being wrong at the end of that series if the Leafs end up winning in five or six and they ended up being the better team. That's going to be a great story. That's going to be really awesome for them. Like 10 years of heartbreak and all of that, like that goes out the window. Fans can enjoy a series. But until they close, they can show they can close that door, I have a hard time picking against the Tampa Bay Lightning in this series, and I have Lightning in seven. There you go. I mean, I, I, I feel pretty confident with this one. This one, th- I will say, me too. I, prob- I probably, off the top of my head, four of the other series were more difficult for me to pick. But the, this is the easiest one. Not the easiest. I mean, there's, there's. I think Boston, Florida. I had more conviction yeah, about. Fair. And I felt that Seattle, Colorado, you know, I, I feel pretty strongly that Colorado's winning that series. But this this wasn't anywhere close to the hardest series for me to pick between. So that's that gives you the the level of my conviction in the pick. So uh Boston, Carolina, Dallas, Edmonton, we agree on. I realize I didn't really give my picks for those series, but we agree on those four. Colorado and Winnipeg, we both agree on. But the Rangers, Devils, Lightning. Leafs what could end up being two of the best series of the first round. Those are the series where we defer. I love it. This is awesome. Yeah. We're only having the one bet though. I don't want to complicate things. We're, we're betting yeah. on Rangers devils. We're betting on Rangers devils. Uh, for those who, who forgot if uh, the Rangers lose, I will eat a puts in hot dog, a homemade puts in hot dog. If the devils lose, CJ has to eat a hot dog completely covered in relish. I think those are fair stakes. Oh, God. Go Devils. <laughs> Go Rangers. <laughs> uh, anything else you want to mention about uh, these first round series before we get to the questions for Ask CJ? No, that was fun. I like that. I'm really pumped for the first round. Um, I'm fully ready to go two and six, but my two wins are going to be the one, <laughs> the two that we <laughs> disagreed on. And that's that's oh. all good. Yeah, if if the one series I get right is Dev, is Devils Rangers, I will be very relieved. <laughs> very yeah, relieved. Like people, I will be bragging about a one in seven set of picks as long as my one is the oh Devils my winning. God, I can't wait until like um, I know I don't know if you you know Yolo underscore Pinato on 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 Twitter. I think his real name. Like he loves to dunk on people sometimes. I if he were to go in my mentions and just be like, "Hey, you got all these picks wrong," or like LOL or something like. I'm not eating a hot dog like CJ over here. Right. I would not care. I would not give a damn. I use him as an example. Other people would do it, but like he, he's just top of mind. Anyway, he cracks me up. I got to say, he he's, like one, of, he's, he's like one of my low key favorite followers. He's so great. He, he says he like, I like where his brain goes. I like how he, he views certain things, even if I don't agree with everything, but he, when he's trying to dunk on people, I just like kind of sit back and I'm like, Oof, glad that ain't me. That man knows how to stir a pot. He definitely does. He definitely does. It's time for Ask CJ, uh, where we take in uh, questions from uh, viewers like you or listeners like you, however you decide to to uh, consume this podcast. And uh, yeah, we get CJ to answer them to the best of his ability. Thank you to everyone who responded on Twitter as well as on Discord. Are you ready, CJ? Locked and loaded. Jeremiah Lawrence, what's happening with Brad Treliving. He's got to decide what's next, man. I don't have much more than that. I think that there's the conversations are happening and, you know, he's run the team there for 10 years and, and he's got to figure out if he wants to stick around and if there's conditions available for him to do so, you know, I think it'd be hard to walk away, but who knows? Everyone's got to make a decision. So, you know, I, 
I don't occupy that space between Brad's ears. So it's hard to know exactly what to say beyond that. But, um, you know, I don't think this will drag on for too much longer because obviously this is the sort of thing the organization needs its direction. And, and I think for Brad, it's, you know, it, he's had a long time to think about it. They had conversations earlier in the year about an extension and now they have to decide if they're going to do it or, or go in their separate ways. Uh, for those wondering with Brad Treliving, uh, the Flames did have their locker clean out on Friday. Uh, Sutter and Treliving, neither of them spoke that day. Uh, we're As of now, when we're recording this, uh, we don't know specifically when they will. I imagine it will be in the coming days. We probably won't have to wait that long. But for those wondering, like, oh, we haven't really heard anything from those two. They have not spoken yet. Uh, and I don't, I'm not inclined to believe. That's unusual. To, I mean. It's unusual. I, I, it, I mean, it is very unusual because I, I'm very used to the players talking and then management or the coach like speaking afterward. I'm, that's what I am used to. I forgot who I was speaking to uh, after locker clean out. And I believe, I believe they were making the point that it's not the first time it's happened in that market. At the same time, considering what's going on with both of those men and what could happen and how they should be evaluated for this offseason. I don't know. There's something, there might be something to it. I don't know. Well, generally sure. just for the, those who are on our side of the, the fence in terms of what we work in, usually that, that availability happens 48 to 72 hours after a team has played its final game. We're beyond that, that window in Calgary, but usually they like to address the death while the body's still fresh, mm. but you know, I mean, I'm not going to take that analogy any further, but the, the, the flames of 2022, 23 are decaying soon. Yeah. It's, it's Move to the next question. Up. Save me for myself. If the Leafs lose in round one. <laughs> yeah. Talk about saving you for yourself. It was the Leafs question right after. Uh, if the Leafs lose in round one, what would you suggest fans do with all that free time over the spring? And that is from platinum seat ghosts on Twitter. I appreciate the question. I think there's lots of things you could do. You could, Enjoy regular, nice, long walks and get some fresh air. You could pursue new hobbies. You know, maybe you take up pickleball or pizza making. Uh, and, and I also think you should absolutely use whatever sporting energy you have left to get behind the Toronto Blue Jays. So life will go on no matter how this plays out in every city. And there's lots to be hopeful and thankful for. So, yeah, consider that time a gift if you get it. Uh, that's the best way to approach it, I think. What's the cool outdoor festival to go to in Toronto? Mm, I don't know. You're asking. You're not asking the coolest guy you could be asking. I guess that's fair. But like in, like in Montreal, for example, like there's Jazz Fest. There's Oshiaga. I guess it's Carabana yeah. and Ovio Fest, really, in Toronto. Yeah, those are the two, those two ones that jump to mind. You know, Pride Weekend's pretty big in, in Toronto, too. too. And the Pride Parade itself is, is kind of like a big one on the calendar. I'm sure there's something else, but I'm, you know, the truth is, is I kind of get out of Toronto in the summer usually yeah, and uh, try, try to get a vacation, try to spend some time in cottage country, just try to try to recharge the batteries. So I, I've not been them. I'm here during the winter months more. Okay. So all that to say, like, just to add on to CJ's answer, do stuff like that. I guess that seems like it could be a good time. I'm just saying, get other hobbies. There's lots to do. That's very true. Uh, the, the questions get tougher and tougher. The tree living one was pretty tough. Uh, I would say the Leafs one is... Uh, that was inside heat right out of the gate. Oh, wait till you hear this next one from Bruno Lorrain. Start one, cut one, trade one. Pierre Lebrun, Elliot Friedman, Darren Dreger. I'll admit to the fact I read this one, so I had a minute to think about it. Okay. I am starting Darren Dreger because I appreciate... Oh! Because I appreciate his veteran savvy. Whoa. I did I not am, expect that. I am trading Pierre Lebrun because I wow. think I'm gonna get I'm gonna get good value back in the deal. Wow. And I am cutting Elliot Friedman because I don't want that playoff beard anywhere near my team. I did not expect that. I did not expect that. <laughs> the whole time I was just like, okay, so he's starting Lebrun and then he's gotta figure out Dreger and and what? <laughs> oh damn damn i did have to think about it though i'm glad i i really don't often review those questions in advance because i like to give honest like just really quick answers but that one i'm glad i had a minute to ponder i feel uh, good about it did you remember elliot's covid beard 
Yeah, that was. I don't need anything like that near my locker room. If... <laughs> <laughs> just everyone knows, Freeze is a good buddy of mine. I would say all this to his face. Oh my god, it it did look pretty decrepit. No disrespect, Freeze. There's like bird living in it, like. Why did he grow it out the way that he did? I never understood that. Was it for like charity or something? Or he just was like, screw it up. Well, it was like it. COVID times. I think he just stopped shaving and then, I don't know, took on a life of its own. Maybe he should have had one of those like manscaped. He, like, he did raise money. To, to be fair, he did raise money when he did shave it. But I, okay, I don't think yeah. it started off as that. I just think it started off as like, holy crap, there's a pandemic and we're all living at home. And he stopped, uh, he, he stopped grooming himself for whatever reason. My guy looked like he was on uh you remember the movie Castaway? Oh yeah. Yeah, my guy looked like he all he had as a friend was Wilson the volleyball for a couple weeks. And the fact that I know he's capable of that, that's why he's cut. He was the easiest decision. <laughs> he was the easiest decision. He's cut. Okay. All right. So you did it. Okay. So all right, no more no more heat as as crazy as the last three. Uh this next one's from MW Bauer. Hi CJ and Julian. How many games do you see Joseph Wall playing in the playoffs for the Leafs? One. Ooh. When? Well, I mean, Eric Schalgren played in relief in last year's series against Tampa, which is probably forgotten by most people. Um, I think Joseph Wall will be a backup to start the series. I don't know. I don't, I don't have a high level of conviction about this one, but Matt Murray is getting healthy again. I don't think that Wall would... I'd be... It would take an injury... It would take injuries i think where wall is a starter in a game but i could see him coming off the bench at some point okay last one from dr sun here off discord it's playoffs time and now more than ever getting into the right mindset before the game is of the utmost importance cj if you were given the task to organize the national anthem before game seven of the stanley cup finals with carte blanche which artist group would you set the stage for for this final showdown t swift baby Damn. I mean, that's, I mean, you have Cap Blanche, so like, I, I completely understand why you get Taylor Swift. T Swift. You want to get, you want that to be an event. You want buzz. You know what kind of buzz would be if Taylor Swift was performing the anthems? That'd be pretty cool. Yeah, that'd be a huge deal. So that would be, be a massive deal. I, I mean, I think she might be beyond the budget, but a little, a little beyond. If I have, if I have Carte Blanche, that's who I'm. That's who I'm calling in. I mean, I could make a better answer probably if you told me what what team is at home, because you know there might that there might be lot. like regional there might be a regional pick that's better for each specific team that that was hosting. But just generally speaking, I'm uh, I'm down with T Swift. Okay, all right, Taylor Swift would be the artist you'd get to sing the anthem before Game Seven of the Stanley Cup Finals. I like that answer. I like. I that would answer. take it for game 62 of the regular season too, just to see the world explode, but like a random Nashville predators game, which I understand there is history with Nashville and Taylor Swift, obviously, but uh, well, Nashville funny. does get legit. They get, I mean, they, they got, they got star power that are fans of that team. A lot of, a lot of great artists live in that city and love the team. So Man. I can't, I can't remember off the top of my head, but I, I covered that Stanley cup final. I remember they were rolling out, they're rolling out like A-listers or at least B-listers every every game they played. Carrie Underwood probably performed at some point. Am I wrong? I think she did, yeah. And she and Mike Fisher, her husband, was on the team at the time. So Absolutely. They're still together? Yes. I'm not the guy that I don't asked. know why that, I, I'm pretty I sure know why that came to mind. I don't know why that came to mind. I was why just are like, you out here doing that? Don't, don't you be I don't know. Hearts, it just, it just kind of came to mind. I hope they are. I, I don't wish them wrong. I'm just like, all right, like. We haven't checked on those two in a minute. Like, I don't know. <laughs> Sorry, this episode has gone off the rails, people. It's okay. Um, you're just rattled because you know you're going to be eating a poutine hot dog in two weeks or so. I don't know. I think you're just overprojected because you don't like the idea of eating a relish hot dog in the slightest. I hate it. I hate I, the idea of it. I think eating a poutine hot dog is going to be gross. Ugh. Anyway. Let's wrap up uh, this edition of uh, the Chris Johnston show episode 155 of our illustrious program. Uh, we'll be back on Thursday with a brand new episode. Uh, be sure to comment uh, like, and subscribe. And uh, yeah, we'll have stick taps on Thursday for CJ Julian. So long peace and enjoy the 2023. Stand the Chris Johnston show.
Powered by Sports Interaction. Want to bet? Inside the game, twice a week. Follow Chris on Twitter, at ReporterChris. And follow Julian McKenzie, at JK McKenzie. The Chris Johnston Show.